Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Conversations on Dance is generously made possible by Yumiko. Yumiko creates handmade dancewear for dancers by dancers and for years has been a favorite of students and professionals alike. Recently, we had the opportunity to chat with the founder of this legendary brand, Yumiko Takashima, and hear more about her career as a professional dancer, how she created her first leotard, and how she built the company into the brand we love today. Tune in now to hear her speak with us in episode 153, and visit yumiko.com to browse their incredible catalog of customizable dancewear and ready-to-wear styles. This episode is brought to you by New York City Center. I'm Rebecca King Ferraro. And I'm Michael Breeden, and you're listening to Conversations on Dance. Today we are joined by Houston Ballet principal dancer Connor Walsh. Born in Fairfax, Virginia, Connor began his training at the age of seven under the direction of his mother, Constance Walsh. He had trained at the Kirov Ballet Academy and Herod Conservatory, as well as Houston Ballet's Ben Stevenson Academy. In 2004, Walsh joined Houston Ballet's company as a member of the Corps de Ballet. He was quickly promoted to soloist in 2006, then to principal dancer in 2007. Connor talks with us about how his mother influenced his early dance training, his experience looking for just the right school for him, Houston Ballet's director transition when he was just a student, and what it is like dancing in Houston. If you are in the New York City area, catch Connor and his fellow dancers on stage later this month at City Center. From October 24th through 26th, Houston Ballet will celebrate its 50th anniversary season at New York City Center with a program of contemporary works showcasing the company's diverse talents. Seldom seen on the East Coast, this performance marks the company's largest engagement in New York since 2013 and their first program at City Center since 1986. Tickets start at $35 and can be purchased online at nycitycenter.org by calling 212-581-1212 or in person at the City Center box office. 
All right, so today we are joined by Connor Walsh um, by a phone. Thank you, Connor, for uh, taking the time out of your day off to talk to us. I'm excited to do so, guys. Let's do it. <laughs> We're looking forward to it. Um, all right, we just want to start a little bit with your training. You began your dance training with your mother. Um, tell us a little bit about your mom's dance background and how that influenced your decision to maybe start dancing at all. Sure. Um well, my mother uh, was from the, the Jersey area, and uh, eventually, I think after high school, went to uh, train at the Martha Graham School of Dance, and then kind of did, after that, did her own projects in New York for a long time. Um, so she kind of has a modern background, but a really uh, creative and diverse dance background, which mm-hmm. is sort of what her school was all about. And uh, I eventually started at the age of seven. Basically, there was another boy there, and she was like, can you please just come keep him company? Mm-hmm. You know, he's all by himself, as uh, many of us young men are when we, we start dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, my brother and I started at the same time, and, and I ended up sticking with it and getting more serious by the year. And after a couple of years, he said, thanks, but no <laughs> thanks. And... Uh, <laughs> And the rest is sort of history, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you you were saying, you know, your mother's background is more modern and uh, mm-hmm. sort of training that she was offering was a, a pretty broad swath of um, different styles. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, it was primarily a ballet school. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. But I think what was different than what a lot of other schools were offering um, were the productions she was putting on. She mm-hmm. was She would choreograph a lot and we would create incredible shows, mm-hmm. um, which is something that looking back at the time, I, I took for granted looking back, I realized what she was doing with the resources she had mm-hmm. um, was really special. And, and all the students that participated, we all have the most fond memories of like creative output and creative uh, environment for us to grow up in, which was really special. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Do you feel like that's, that kind of environment has kind of um, influenced your dance career as you've continued to grow and continue to find your way within the, the career? Absolutely. I mean, I just love being in the theater. You know, I, mm-hmm. I love the whole thing. I love the, the rehearsals, the backstage, the social component of what we do um, mm-hmm. because it's what I grew up in. Yeah. Right. You know, it's my It's my comfort place. So it's not just the performing uh, that I love. It's really every aspect of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. the whole process. Yeah. Um, okay, so you said that you started at seven. When did you kind of start to think, you know, I want to take this a little more seriously? After that, you went to Kirov Academy of Ballet. How did you kind of decide to make that jump? And how influential was your mom in helping you make these decisions since she had such an understanding of what you wanted to do? You know, it was just sort of, rolled, you know, year by year, it just kind of happened. You know, as most kids do, we all started taking summer program auditions because mm-hmm. um, kids do summer camps. That's what we do. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so I did that. I went to I went to Kirov Academy, and they asked me to stay for the year. I mean, it was at the time, it wasn't my intention. I wasn't seeking it out, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, I had a teacher who sat me down and was like, hey, I think you could do this. I don't think I really understood what this was, you know, what a career in dance was. So far, it would just been my, you know, what I had been exposed to at my mother's school. Right. Um, 
but I had a great time in the summer and I thought, yeah, let's, let's go do some, some more intense training and, and see what happens. My mother was really casual about it, really kind of left it up to me. Um, cause it was, it's also a very different path than I think she experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think she was trying to, or didn't want to push that on me right, by any right. means. Um, because it was also in a way foreign to her, but very supportive and very casual, you know? And so I went there for a couple of years and it was a pretty rigid environment for Mm me. Um, I definitely am very thankful for the training. I received the, uh, the amount of structure and, um, connecting to that early curriculum of Russian training, I think is really important. Right. But to have that base. Oh, totally. But I, at the same time, I was a young kid and I was like, I was not 100% committed to, you know, I wasn't pursuing my dream. I was just having a blast. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> How old so were I found you at this time? Uh, I left home either, I think I was 11. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So you were still really young Ooh. and still very yeah. new in your tra- training at all, really. Yeah, totally. Year. Totally. Wow. So I went there for two years and then I decided, you know, that was kind of enough. Um, I ended up at School of American Ballet for a summer program, which was like the complete opposite of what I was experiencing, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. which in a way wasn't helpful because I was a bit, I was getting a bit confused of, Mm -hmm. I found it a bit confusing because it was such a big transition. Um, Everything from New York City to the style of training, there was a lot fewer classes. Um, And then I had a buddy of mine from School of American Ballet said, hey, I'm going to Herod Conservatory. Um, So then I gave that a go for a year. And then Mm -hmm. I found that that was sort of a similar recipe uh, to Kirov Academy for me. So then I I figured, let's keep trying something else out, you know, Mm -hmm. because I I enjoy new experiences. I thought um, each program was, I was definitely making new friends and learning things from each place. You know, each place was giving me something different in a way. Um, and so I eventually landed in Houston and have been here ever since. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So um, going back to your mother, you know, that's such yeah. a, a unique thing for dancers. I think we've talked to maybe one or two people who have had a parent yeah. who um, danced extensively and, and was really uh, aware of the world that, you know, a child is being thrust through. Um, mm-hmm. So how influential was she? Was she able to say, you know, I don't think this is a good program for you or, you know, this seems like what you like and we can explore this or was she kind of just going with the flow and um, taking it off you? Yeah, I think she was very trusting in me. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, whenever she would talk to teachers or, you know, it was always, what do you think? What do you feel? Do you Mm want to do this? Um, Right. And I never felt like she was trying to persuade me of one thing or another. I felt like Mm -hmm. she was really just trying to be a parent first um, and a supporter because what we were doing is kind of strange, you know? I mean, Mm -hmm. (laughs) for for a kid to go away at such a young age is a bizarre thing. I think it was a a bit strange for her too, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. She wasn't expecting to lose you at that time, to have you (laughs) move away. Yeah. That was not part of the plan. Um, (laughs) So I, I think she was really... Always check. She was often checking in and just being like, "How are you doing? Is it going okay?" And I right. think that that's sometimes why I changed schools a couple times because I was like, "You know, I don't think it's going okay." Mm-hmm. 
Because you sometimes the training, yeah, sometimes the training was stressful or the environments were stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think changing, changing that up sort of helped me out, I thought. Um, and that was really because she was supportive and said, yeah, let's, let's shake it up. You know, let's, you, you can come home for a little while and we'll try something else. So mm-hmm. that's an um, interesting point. Cause I feel like maybe it's kind of a parent's default go to maybe if they're not familiar with ballet, if like maybe you're, you don't enjoy something, um, or you're not sure you're in the right place that a parent might be like, well, you know, we're going to see it through, you know, like, don't give yeah. up, like, keep, keep going on this path. And maybe, you know, her understanding that, like, you know, when it's right, right away, kind of was helpful in order to allow you to explore these different places. Yeah, I mean, what was was nice for me is I could, you know, I could always train at home, like I could continue doing something like that. So, you know, if one academy, I always tell young kids now, it's it's not there's no perfect school. It's about finding a teacher that you connect with Mm -hmm. or finding a school that you connect with, because you know, I tried lots of different places and they're all extraordinary schools, but I had to find what worked for me with where I was at in my, my young experience, you know what I mean? And that's different for every kid, different for boys and girls, different for different nationalities. I mean, it's, it's really about finding something that you can connect with it or that makes sense to you because, you know, when you have adults telling you to do all this crazy stuff, you got to trust them, you know, you got to, understand it and so I think that's sort of what I was looking for and and kind of eventually found yeah I love that sentiment yeah go ahead when you finally landed in Houston um were you thinking I want to train here because this is a company that I would like to be a part of or are you thinking of it as a theater school and a potential for a job later or you just thought this is the training I want you know it's a bit of both I had you know up until that point I didn't know too much about company life, right? I was a kid focused on school life and focused on academies. Um, but then I was, you know, entering high school and that starts to become a reality like, oh, you know, I'm eventually going to have to find a job. And um, <laughs> mm-hmm. I had heard they had a great men's program and that was the, that was the first box that Houston uh, ticked for me. Right. Um, they had a great reputation for men's training. And sure enough, you know, when I landed there, I was like the smallest guy in this room full of like 30, 40 men. And I was like, oh, wow, this is different, you know, then also I was younger in other schools. So I was, you know, one of three or four boys Mm -hmm. Um, there. They just put us all together, which I thought was was great because I could learn from the older guys. But also I had heard that they were at the time they accepted a lot of students from their academy. Um, mm-hmm. to the main company. So that was that was comforting, knowing that there is potentially opportunity there. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of the other schools that I had been to were just academies. Um, so that was sort of an eye-opener when I arrived, and I could actually look into a company rehearsal and press my face against the glass and see what <laughs> professional dancers actually did, you know, yeah. um, instead of what I thought they did. So yeah. that was something that was neat for me. We, whenever we talk to men about their training, they always say that, right? All boys end up, they start their school. There's one or two of them, even, you know, mm-hmm. if you're lucky, there are. So what was yeah. it like for you to finally be in this place where there were lots of men around you to inspire you, to look up to, to work with? You know, what was that like? Did it kind of open your eyes to a whole different world of possibility? Totally. I mean, I... I found, at first, to be honest, I found it completely overwhelming. <laughs> because, 
every school that I had gone to, I was always coming in at their youngest age group. Right. So when I went to Kirov, I was 11. I was at the bottom of the, you know, the age group that was there. And then I went to, to Herod, and that was my first year of high school, so the bottom of the age group there. And mm-hmm. then I went to, to Houston, and it was very similar. You know, I was in level 6, 7, which is sort of their – that's where they really start to bring kids from out of town into that age mm-hmm. group. So mm-hmm. I was just looking upwards, basically, at all these um, much more mature and talented students. Um so at first, I definitely was pressed against the back wall going, oh, my gosh, how do, how do these guys know how to do all these partnering lists? How do they – I thought their technique was so much more advanced, but really they were just men, and I was like a little mm-hmm. kid, you know? Yeah. Um, but they were great. I mean, some, I have some friends to this day that I remember. They came up to me in the class, you know, put the arm around the shoulder and said, hey, come on out. Let's try this lift. Like, Aww. you know, I'll spot you. I'll do that. And I remember the teacher doing the same thing, like, hey, come forward. And I try this lift in front of everybody um, that I had never done before. And I had all these spots. And I remember she was supposed to go up, but she ended up going more down than up. <laughs> a complete disaster. Um, but, you know, to this day now, like partnering is one of the favorite parts of my job. Mm-hmm. And um, so that was sort of the beginning of this, this long, uh, beautiful road. Um, of studying and practicing partnering mm-hmm. that I hadn't really been exposed to up until that point. Right. So what was sort of some of the um, transition from being this sort of young, uh, you know, less experienced student, uh, inexperienced with partnering at least, and moving through to the to a point where maybe Stanton started to notice you as a younger student or consider you for the company? Well, how How did that sort of go along for you? You know, I think one of the other things that was different about my, when I first arrived here, it was very much like, hey, it's okay, you don't know what you're doing, just try, Mm -hmm. and if you fall down, it's completely okay. Mm -hmm. So I let my guard down a lot as soon as I started training in that way and started trying lots of new things. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm not exactly sure when that really changed, I just know that there was a, a quick change in my mentality and my uh, the amount of courage that I was able to kind of put myself forward and try things. And and I think when I started to do that, then I started to absorb things differently um, and started to grow. And uh, But when I first joined the school, it was Ben Stevenson was still the director. So then uh, Stanton came in my last year in the school. Mm-hmm. So there was lots of transition happening. Um, so I, I think... Nobody really kind of knew what was happening, what the new mm-hmm. director, what kind of dancers he would be drawn to. Um, so we all just had our, our fingers crossed and we're working hard, you know. This mm-hmm. is so interesting because we've sort of been touching on this recently, but a lot of times when we talk to dancers who've been through and our, our change of artistic directors, often they were already dancers in the company. But right. you were, and this is something that some people kind of tend to forget about when these transitions happen, are those students who've been working with one director, getting ready to join right. the company, and then, bam, there's a change. Right. So what was that like for you? Was that, like, really scary, thinking, like, oh, this company, you know, I had my eye on it. I've been working on this one trajectory to get there, and now that trajectory might completely change. Do I need to, you know, what's plan B? Or, like, what were, what was your thought process? You know, I, I sort of liked it because I got to observe some of the change from the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't too 
I think for company dancers, it's always hard. You're very used to a certain way of working, and then that's flipped around, and you're worried about what roles you get or how the director will see you. I, mm-hmm. you know, I was sort of looking in, still trying to be a sponge, and and I had time to sort of learn and adapt um, to what that was. There's mm-hmm. definitely a little fear. All my teachers were of a different, um, not a different generation, but they were from from the different regime, basically. Right. Yeah. So, you know, you're like, am I prepared? Do I have, um, do I have the right skill set? But Stanton immediately kind of brought some of the younger, or not the younger, the older students into rehearsals. So I started understudying some of his work while I was still mm-hmm. in the school. Okay. Um, and that was sort of helpful. And, and we still do that because we have a second company now. The second company was just starting when I was in the school. Um, okay. So we were kind of acting as a second company, but it wasn't truly formalized. Um, sure. But I was starting to get exposed to rehearsals and learn how that works. Mm-hmm. Um, starting to dance some of his work, even if it's just in the back corner, but getting it in my body and starting to understand um, how to apply myself in a professional atmosphere, which I think is really important for students mm-hmm. to kind of um, get one one foot in a in a company studio to see. It's not just the technical components or it's not just, um, you know, how good you are. It's also you have to learn how to be a professional. You have to learn how to learn things quickly and um, ask the right questions and mm-hmm. um, how to conduct yourself in a in a professional studio, I think, is very different for mm-hmm. many students. Yeah. So you came up through the ranks really quickly, and I'm wondering if this time where you were a student – Learning Stanton's ballets enabled you to form a sort of connection with him that would um, enable this quick rise through the ranks. Did um, you, do you feel like you forged a bond then, or was it later <laughs> that you had joined the company? I don't know. I, you know, I was young, and and Stanton is a demanding director and choreographer. Mm-hmm. His rehearsals are intense, and um, he he asks a lot of his answer. So I definitely never felt, you know, in the beginning, I wouldn't describe it like I was feeling this bond or connection that I um, was growing. Then it was more that the company was shifting around me. And and I was very fortunate to be in the right place at the right time mm-hmm. where some dancers were leaving and some, Stanton was bringing in his own group of dancers. And I was very fortunate to, um, to catch his eye and mm-hmm. um, got some early opportunities. And then, you know, a couple injuries also created more opportunity for me to grow. And I was just, uh, I mean, of course, you know, I had to put in the work and I had to, um, Stanton did have to be drawn to my dancing in some capacity, but there ha- also has to be openings and opportunities to be there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just, the company was shifting all around me and I was very fortunate to, uh, progress forward as that company was shifting. Mm-hmm. Right. So when you joined as a core member in 2004 and then you were promoted to principal in 2007, so it was quite quick. What were some of your first, um, opportunities that he gave you to be in featured roles? Was it while you were a core member? What were some of the things you were dancing? Yeah, so I came into the company in the core, and I actually had a couple of injuries in my first year. So I guess that's also part of why I, I don't picture it being so seamless. But, you know, I had a sprained ankle, <laughs> right. first stress fracture, and then a sprained ankle. Like, you know, I kept, which was so frustrating. So my first half of my 
first season was um, sort of scary because I felt like it was passing me by in, in a little bit without getting mm-hmm. to participate. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an early memory of one of my co- colleagues and I, Jessica Collado. She's also a principal now. Um, we were third cast of a work of Stanton's called Meninius. He uh, choreographed it on San Francisco. And we mm-hmm. were so determined to get a show. We just <laughs> wanted a show so bad. You know, you know when you're, you know, that third oh, cast of cast, you're an under <laughs> oh, yeah. and you are just like... <laughs> You're I will put myself you have no, there. <laughs> you have no oxygen. No, you don't even know if anyone's looking. You are just dancing your heart out in the back yes. <laughs> over and over and over and over again. And I always felt like that was sort of the beginning of um, Stanton seeing maybe a different side of me that he didn't know because up until mm. that point I had sort of injuries and he knew maybe I had promise as a dancer, but we hadn't really worked together. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But that was the place where I was comfortable. I was working with a close friend and – we were both mm-hmm. determined and we could show him um, what we were all about. You know what I mean? That's so important um, for those instances to be with someone mm-hmm. who's equally as like drawn, you know, as driven right. as you, because sometimes if you are working in a partner capacity and you're maybe with someone that's older, perhaps, and they're just mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm too tired. Totally. I have other stuff going on or whatever. It's not happening for you, but you totally. know, I, no, I we have the same mentality. Yeah. 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 It was really helpful. And, you know, it's also like, hey, we may embarrass ourselves here, but at least we'll do it together right. and with a friend. You know, like Aww. you have to, you have to be comfortable with that. Um, yeah. And then, you know, then the following year, uh, I got given a couple opportunities to do some principal work because, um, as I mentioned, there was they needed to pick somebody because there was some transition and some injuries mm-hmm. and right. Um, and then it kind of just kept rolling from there, which was. I mean, it was, it all happened kind of so fast that I didn't really know what was happening. You know, it was just, I was so kind of um, swamped by work and trying to, to learn what I needed to do in order to do these roles. Um, Mm -hmm. But I I wasn't really looking at it and going, Hey, this is going fast. It was just, I got to figure out how to do a full length ballet and I have to figure (laughs) out how to do this. You know, like Uh I was just um, focused on that. It wasn't until kind of, you know, years later when I'm looking back and going, looking at kids who are my age going, oh, wow, like that was happening to me at that age. Like that's, that's a bit wild. <laughs> yeah. So how did you manage to, to stay grounded? Um, you know, like being a, a principal dancer at such a young age, uh, it could be easy for a young person to go, well, I've hit my, my peak and, <laughs> you know, what do I do from here? Um, like, were you just like, kind of like you were just saying, just always staying focused on what the next step was, like, instead of looking 10 steps ahead? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think a lot of that has to do with the, my, you know, parents and all that stuff are mm-hmm. so valuable and, and how they prep you for things. But I think the environment of this company is very humble and, and, um, everybody really works hard. And mm-hmm. everybody looks at each other as equal. Um, and still to this day, I, in many ways, I feel like we're often more an ensemble company than a ranked company. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that, I think, is, is down to Stanton's mentality. You know, he doesn't care you, how long you've been, you know, a principal dancer. He doesn't care. You know, you got you to gotta put in the work. Right. You know? And I think that that's so valuable. And it's, it keeps this company pushing forward. Um, because we're, you got to be honest, 
you know what I mean? You mm-hmm. got to keep working. You don't just automatically earn things. You have to, you have to put in the work. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think my environment really kind of helped me do that. I mean, I'm sure there was points where I got a little bit ahead of myself, but, but you know, <laughs> you, you got to be appreciate the people around you who put the arm around the shoulder and say, Hey, you got to, you got to focus here. You got to, you got to work mm-hmm. harder there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I've heard from multiple sources. I know you have a bias being in Houston Valley yourself, but from outsider, <laughs> um, both Justin Peck and Zoe Zion, who staged a ballet mm-hmm. for you guys, they I know yeah. they both said to me privately, like that the the work ethic and um, sort of uh, humility is really special to the company. So I'm I'm backing you up on that. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, we always wonder because. Every stager and every choreographer that comes in, they go, they always make a speech at the end and say, oh, you know, it's such a special place to work. And, mm-hmm. and we're all like, oh, you, you must say that everywhere. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> that's your stick. But, uh-huh. you know, now I've I've gotten to guest with other companies and dance around the world more and see, um, experience how other companies work. And every company works hard, right? And every company mm-hmm. is special. Um, but I do think this company is constantly... Um, doing such diverse reps that we're constantly learning new things and learning new material, and that makes you humble because you're you're not just doing the same Swan Lake every year over and over mm-hmm. and over again. Every, I feel like every rep I'm starting over. I have to learn mm-hmm. something new. I have to learn a new style. I'm working with a new choreographer, um, and that's great. I mean, it keeps you growing, but it also keeps you grounded because you're never you're never too far ahead. But you do get more experience to bring into the next ballet, but you're constantly um, you're constantly having to work, which I, yeah. which I like. Yeah. So one thing that we in particular are interested in about Houston Ballet is for us when we danced at Miami City Ballet, with, we had two directors, Edward Valella and Lourdes Lopez. Mm-hmm. They were not choreographers. So we never worked yeah. with them in the studio in any sort of capacity like that. We would, you know, they would come in and coach sometimes, mm-hmm. but it's not like we were like, always, always in the studio with them. So what is it like being in the studio with your director? So for maybe for people who don't know what the creation process of a ballet is, like it's hours and hours and hours in the studio going back and forth, editing, right? It's like writing a paper. It's like creating something, taking it away, changing it. So what is that process like? How does it differ for you working with Stanton Welsh as your artistic director versus just any uh, uh, other choreographers that you guys work with? Yeah, I, you know, Stanton has done so many works on the company now. I've been here six, 16 years or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, so we've, in that time, he's almost completely re-choreographed our, our rep mm-hmm. from oh, wow. the, the story ballets to also one-act ballets um, to restaging older works to also, you know, like a, a new Swan Lake or mm-hmm. um, things like that. Mm-hmm. Or to a, an original production uh, like Marie, based on Marie Antoinette. Um, mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I I always adore being part of the new productions. I mean, I feel like that's a big reason why I'm here mm-hmm. because you really get to feel like you get to participate um, in what you're doing, or it, it participate in the work, participate in the process. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you get to kind of leave your footprint in the work, um, which I think is really a beautiful thing. Um, but it also can be a very unglamorous thing. Sometimes you're just repeating 
this section so many times and the, he's, the choreographer is barely looking at what you're doing, um, but he's looking at the big picture and you're just going over and over and over and over again as the choreographer slowly constructs right. um, the work. And so mm -hmm. sometimes it's a painstaking, you know, not yeah. so glamorous process. Um, right. But in the end, it's it's so rewarding and it's it's a very rich experience because you felt like you helped make something. And mm -hmm. I think that, you know, especially the older dancers get you, you want to do more than just the steps, you know? Right. You want to put yourself into the work and you want to find ways to do that. Um, and you want to have your own opinion and your own point of view. And I think the best way to do that is, is by participating in creation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are, are there ways you think that um, having Stan as director and a, you know, a, a consistent choreographic voice in your life would be different from um, working under someone that is strictly casting you in works that already exist? Yeah, well, I think it, it shapes the company's mentality a little bit, that they're used mm -hmm. to working with choreographers. Mm -hmm. So if a choreographer comes in and they ask us to, you know, do something unexpected or something mm -hmm. uncomfortable, it's not... It's not an issue here, right? The dancers mm -hmm. like dive in because they're used to being asked to try things, mm -hmm. um, and I think that that makes choreographers feel comfortable and um, enjoy creating here. Um, I also know, you know, I've, I've choreographed a little bit, and I also know that Stanton is, as a choreographer himself, is very supportive in that process. Mm -hmm. um, not necessarily like mentoring in the room, but more as how difficult it is and mm -hmm. giving choreographers freedom to kind of express themselves in their own way because he knows what it's like to walk into a company, mm -hmm. um, how how difficult, how scary that process can be, how, um, how there can be limitations put on you. Um, so I've seen him in, in lots of different ways be so supportive um, and understanding to choreographers that have come in. Um, and that is also a, a really helpful thing. Um, mm. for us all to to be around. Yeah. Maybe this uh, isn't I, something that you can totally speak to, but I feel have to feel like when you create a ballet, it's such a personal process. You know, you mm -hmm. get to know the choreographer so well. But Stanton must really feel like he knows you guys inside and out because he works with you so much like this. So when he's yeah. up, you know, making casting decisions and that sort of thing, he there's almost no second guessing for him in a way because he just knows so much about you guys and what you're capable of because he's just seen you so, so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, Stanton loves to create on his dancers, right? Almost to a fault that he will, mm -hmm. you know, there will be a ballet and there will be like 30 featured roles because, you know, <laughs> he, he is always trying to feature everyone and you're like, nice. you know, that I was featured for eight counts, but I was featured, you know? Oh, <laughs> yeah. But no, it, it definitely, it is. And, and I think choreographers are attracted to different sorts of dancers too they like individuals mm -hmm. um they like people that can do special or like have specialties in a way rather than um a like a cutout idea of what a ballet dancer is i think he a choreographer is looking for people to motivate them and inspire them mm -hmm. um so he, i think he appreciates individuality when it comes to um people's styles and dance steps you know mm -hmm. um so I, I think that that is that's unique, and that choreographer is always trying to create 
on the people and, and I can look at the work that we've made while um, I've been in the company and I can see the dancers that have been in the company's history through the work. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right, right. By the way they dance. Oh, he choreographed that on so-and-so. And, oh, that's um, cool. And it's so her and I can see the steps coming mm-hmm. out of this pot of those done on this dancer and it's, you know, will always remind you of them because um, it was made yeah. for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's nice. I, I think um, moving now a little bit, we want to talk about uh, the upcoming uh, tour to City Center in New York, October yeah. 24th through 26th. But um, I think the programming is already an indication of Stanton's um, sort of uh, desire to expose you guys to other choreographers or being encouraging of other choreographers because Stanton himself yeah. is not actually on the bill. But there are two uh, two ballets that were made expressly for um, Houston Ballet's talents. And um, so I think that speaks to Stanton just being open to wanting to get you guys to experience all these different um, variations in choreographic possibility. So, Absolutely. Um, yeah. So let's let's uh, talk a little bit about the program. I think you you've danced all three works that are happening. Is that correct? That's that is correct. In in New York, I'll be dancing two of the three. Um, mm-hmm. But I was involved in the premiere of, of the work that the other work that I'm not dancing in New York. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so which ones tell- are you in? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so on the program we have uh, a ballet by Mark Morris called The Letter V. Mm-hmm. Um, and he choreographed that on the company oh, five years ago, something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the one I was a part of, but will not be dancing mm-hmm. this time around. Um, then we also have Azure Barton's ballet called Come In, which is a very uh, beautiful ballet with all men. Um, almost has this beautiful meditative quality. Um, and then the last ballet is a new ballet by Justin Peck that we just choreographed last year and uh, called Reflections. So lots of exciting things. Yeah, absolutely. Tell us a little bit about um, the process working with Justin Peck. And um, yeah. was that the, your first, it's not, wasn't your first Peck work, but maybe the first commission, is that right? That, yeah, absolutely. We did, we did Year of the Rabbit not too long right. ago, a couple of years before that, mm-hmm. um, which I, you know, I think a lot of companies, that's a, a great segue into his work, mm-hmm. the early work of his. Um, but I think Stanton was kind of always chasing a commission. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we have the the music is by Sufjan Stevens, which is also really great because they've collaborated to great success. Classic um, Peck. <laughs> yes, we got a classic Peck work in the rep. Um, you know, and I think the company was thrilled about it. You know, mm-hmm. dancers want to work with. Um, younger, up-and-coming, exciting choreographers. And Justin mm-hmm. is, I don't know if up-and-coming is quite the uh, good <laughs> description of him anymore, but right. um, but he's young, you know, and that's there's mm-hmm. something that's nice for dancers to be able to relate and connect with the choreographer, um, mm-hmm. not feeling like there's too much distance. He's very personable, um, very kind, and um, so that was everyone had a really – lovely experience and I think that the the work reflects that atmosphere that Justin brings mm-hmm. into the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see the dancers really dancing freely and spontaneously um, and the work is, is feels like you look at it and you know that it's Justin's work which is yeah. I think it's great. It's, it's got all of his sort of signature styles mm-hmm. but um, also it's much it's very tricky music and Justin said to me at one point he said this is some of the hardest music I've ever choreographed to. It's this 
mm-hmm. dueling piano piece. Um, but I think it, he did a fantastic job and um, really excited to, to sh- show it to New York and see what they think because they've seen so much of his work. So I'll be right. interested to see um, some o- New York audience's perspective, which is, mm-hmm. I know our right. audience in Houston adored it. So, mm-hmm. so the, the two pianists are on stage, is that right, for the performance? Yeah, they're facing each other up, uh-huh. uh, up center stage. Right. Um, and so and do, then, do the dancers play off of them at all? Is there any interaction with that? A little bit, not nothing too, nothing that stands out too much. But there's definitely mm-hmm. warmer, some some very kind of human, simple connections there. Right. Um, They're just into. <laughs> yeah, but no one's like laying on the piano or you know. <laughs> <laughs> nothing too crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No. So uh, no, it's a real human element, I'd say, which is which is great. Right. Could you tell us a little bit about your experience working with Mark Morris? You know, um, it's kind of a contrast to Justin, who is relatively new, is young. Mark is an established dance legend. So um, how, what was your experience like in the studio with him? Um, Well, so I've worked with Mark quite a few times. Maybe my first or second year in the company, we did Sandpaper Ballet. um, And then we've done maybe three two or three other works of his, um, then he's usually come down. And each time's definitely gotten a bit more more comfortable as we've gone along mm-hmm. because he is, uh, for people who don't know him, an intense character to say the least. Um, <laughs> but I, I really enjoy working with Mark because he has something to say. He sometimes say it, says it um, or, you know, gets his message across in an outrageous way. Mm-hmm. But I think that there's always a lesson. There's always a, there's always something for you to really take out of um, what Mark is after, um, especially because he loves to poke fun at all of the dance world's um, silly habits. And, and mm-hmm. or I shouldn't say the dance world. I should say the ballet world. He loves to poke at the ballet world. Mm-hmm. And I do think there's lots of things, too, that the ballet world should be poked at a little bit. So many mm-hmm. of our our norms that we just sort of accept are these weird habits that we develop. Um, I think, yeah, he's incredibly smart and is, he's ultimately, he's a musician as much as he is a choreographer and the way that he creates his work. Um, and so I, I appreciate that very much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that about Mark, how he would, I, I worked with him once at Boston Ballet and uh, just yeah. seeing him like read the sheet music and then be like, okay, well, yeah. that's what we're going to do. You know, that really makes you feel comfortable in the hands of your choreo- choreographer because you know that they are handling the score with care. Yeah, I mean, our first rehearsal, there was no dancing. He just said, all right, we're just going to listen to the music. And he, you know, takes his shoes off and he, like, goes over and puts his feet up against the wall and we're all standing <laughs> there, like, awkwardly. You know, and he's like, you know, sit down, everybody. Like, just listen, you know. Don't, mm-hmm. like, don't imagine steps, just listen, you know. And, and you're right, then he, he does choreograph to a score. And I think this work, more than most dances I've ever danced in my life, is, is a true mirror of of the score you're dancing to, the way it develops, the way it's constructed, um, the way it's layered. is just um, so clever and um, such a clear... Uh, 
such a clear reflection. Yeah, not to use the word reflection because that's the name of Justin's piece, but um, <laughs> <laughs> a clear interpretation, you know, of of this Haydn's music and um, and I think it's lovely music as well. So. Mm-hmm. Great. So tell us about um, Come In, which is the piece that will sit in the middle of the program of the other two pieces we just spoke about. You said it's all an all-male cast. There are 14 men, and it was originally created mm-hmm. for Brishnikov. Um, yeah. Tell us how, like, maybe who came in and worked with you guys, taught you this work, and what the process was like. Yeah, so Azure was there. She was definitely part of the, the staging with um, a lovely guy named Sean and um who they are both wonderful movers themselves. Azure is usually um, a bit quieter and observant um, mm-hmm. and in a thoughtful headspace and relies heavily upon her assistants to kind of conduct and demonstrate as she is, as I assume, is creating and thinking and absorbing. Um, this is a, a really, I've worked with Azure a little bit before too on a creation. Um, and she has a, such a unique style of of how she creates her work, where she um, creates themes and then expands on these themes of movement. Um, so really, this entire piece is is um, developed on this one simple theme that she made uh, on Brezhnikov or with him. I think mm-hmm. she filmed him sitting in a chair and even took some of his in between while they were working and some of his mannerisms and develop them into the piece. And then one hand gesture becomes the larger step. And then that hand gesture then becomes a solo or it becomes a group section. And there's this beautiful sort of, as I mentioned before, meditative quality that um, you watch this one little simple theme grow and expand and multiply and subtract um, and take all these different shapes and different forms. until it is just left with one single person on stage practicing and performing this theme um, to the point where I find that it's a very emotional piece in many mm-hmm. ways when you watch it. It's very, very beautiful and powerful. That's great. sounds like New York City is in for a treat at City Center with Houston Ballet October 24th and 26th. It's coming up. Well, I hope that you guys have a wonderful time. I know the program is going to be great, and we are sure that New York will love you guys. <laughs> yeah, we're we're thrilled to be back. It's been a little bit since we've been in New York, uh-huh. and um, you know we have such a huge theater down here. It's not off. It's hard for us to to get some of our large scale works on board mm-hmm. because a lot right. of the works that Stanton's been making recently are monsters yeah. as far <laughs> as scale and stuff. Um, but this, you know, finally we have a, a great rep that we can bring up there that um, will seamlessly come into any theater um, that really encapsulates what this company is all about. Um, I think who we are and, and what we're capable of. So we're excited to come connect with the audience. And um, we also will have live music, which is really important to this company because we have our own orchestra in Houston. Mm-hmm. Um I know not all companies have that, so we'll have an orchestra in New York as well, which I think is important to these these works. Absolutely. Certainly, yeah. Well, thank you so much for talking to us, Connor, and uh, oh, we my hope pleasure. everyone comes out to see the show. So Absolutely. thanks again. Thank, thank you. Thank you, guys. Take care. Thank you for joining us this week. 
If you would like to support the Conversations on Dance podcast, there are a few ways that you can help. Click over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Download episodes when you listen to allow our analytics to better understand our listenership. Join our Facebook group, Conversations on Dance, Friends of the Pod, or you can offer a donation. Conversations on Dance has always been and will always be free to our listeners. You can help us continue to create and produce this unique behind-the-curtain look at the dance world by visiting conversationsondancepod.com support. Thank you for tuning in. See you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. WarbyParker.com slash covered. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.